we can't always fix problems, fix people's problems or fix our own, but we can certainly figure out tools, right? Well, what tool would be helpful or what tool can I gain from this experience that will help me in the future? Welcome to another You Make Contributor Verse. Team Versey is Brenna Jenneret, author and outdoors mom, John Seymour, editor, author, illustrator, and data guy, and me, Josh Munkin, science communicator, dad, and author who loves making new friends with this podcast. Our guest this week is sure to warm your heart like a perfect fall some more. Chelsea Lynn Wallace is hilarious, refreshing, and wise, and you're really going to love this one. Want to make sure and promo Chelsea's books a bit, as she's got a few you should definitely read if you haven't yet. Shout out to the overdramatic and relatable Ode to a Bad Day in particular, and one coming out soon that I can't wait to read as an author and as a father of a kid who really likes Band-Aids. The Boo Boo's of Bluebell Elementary is out next month, November 7th, 2023, for those of you living in the future and explores the all-too-familiar setting of a school nurse's office and the dramatic goings-on therein. I'm just going to get out of the way of this chat with Chelsea Lynn Wallace, but first, this ad goes out to all of you who are like me on perhaps less social media these days, or maybe even the same social media but spread across a more diverse landscape. Here's the buzz on our sponsor Justin Colon's upcoming Kidlit Hive offerings. Justin has two upcoming webinars to be aware of at his adjusted registration fee point of $14.99. So if your schedule allows, you'd be doing yourself a favor by either joining the wonderfully named Josh Funk's October 19th webinar, Fracturing Fairy Tales, or the November 16th session with author-illustrator John Hendricks on designing book jackets and hand-drawn lettering. And I'm just going to take this straight from Justin's website. Whether you're looking to begin querying agents, need assistance polishing additional materials requested or cracking an R&R, are receiving rejection after rejection and feel stuck and frustrated, can't find the perfect comp tiles, titles, or desire more direction and clarity within your creative career, Justin's editorial services can help you. Check out everything he has to offer from webinars to multi-week classes to uh, editorial services at kidlithive.com. Now, here is Chelsea Lynn Wallace's verse. You know, all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. What what I was going to say, though, about what you said about L.A., yeah, like the, I feel like it's like a time warp there because, yeah, it could take, I mean, it's five minutes down the road, but it could take like an hour and a half depending oh, on what's going percent. on. If somebody wants me to go to dinner somewhere and it's, you know, it could be five miles, but it's, if it's five miles in the wrong direction, I'm like, mm, not happening. <laughs> Or I'm like, what's the parking like? Or what time of day is that? Yeah, no, can't do that because it was just crazy. Yeah, it's really, uh, yeah, it's no fun. It can really like limit you to your house. (laughs) Is that good for an organized thinker? Because everything everything has to be so coordinated in LA. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if that's going to trigger an organized thinker or uh, if that's going to... Or exasperate one. Like, it it could go either way. (laughs) You know, it's, well, so interesting. I'm like, am I an organized thinker? I wonder. I don't. don't. (laughs) Right. That's the first problem. That's the first crux of that question. (laughs) Which one am I? Yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, I mean, yes, I have the early thing. I'm a time nut. I'm a time freak. But, but outside of that, I'm really messy. Like if you saw, like I've got. These are just random notes about random things, and they're kind of everywhere. And yeah, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to 
this, but my husband is right. OCD, so yeah, I have he's a very organized person. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I am, but I will say that like I just don't enjoy being in the car, you know, for longer than I need to be over traffic. Like that's just yeah, it's not worth. Nothing's worth it to me. I'm like agree, agree. Yeah. Well, for for all our listeners out there, I just want to say this is the Verse Show, <laughs> and I'm Brenna Jenneret. This is my host Josh Munkin, and we're here with Chelsea Lynn Hello. Wallace. We're just talking about anxiety and traffic in LA, just to kick <laughs> things off. Just and more slow. to come, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> just to acclimate traffic. Yeah. 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 Are you uh, are are you an LA native? Surely not. Nobody's no, an LA native. No, no. Wait, are you yeah, guys right? in Chicago? Are you guys in Chicago? Is that where I saw you guys? Neither we split of us the difference. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in the Chicago area. We're both in the Midwest. So Okay, so I'm a yeah. Midwest girl, native. You are? So where I, are you from? Yeah. I'm from Michigan. Ann oh, Arbor. gosh. Oh, yeah. Ann Arbor is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, I grew up, I mean, I was born in Santa Cruz, and then kind of moved to Arizona and Colorado Springs, but then by third grade, I moved to Michigan. So, like, all those formative years were in Ann Arbor, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm a Midwestern, like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I do I I count as a Midwesterner? I've had people from Wisconsin and Michigan assert that I, as a St. Louis and uh, a Missourian, don't count. I'm from. The oh, South. I would count you. <laughs> I would count. I would that. count yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's good. Really funny. Yeah. Oh, that's I think really it's the funny. whole middle of the country, yeah. really, like yeah. north, south. Like I think, yeah, I think yeah. that all. I think. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for yeah, making. Like thank south. you for making that official call. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> what i'm here for <laughs> yeah no i'm very proud and i'm very proud to be a midwestern girl you know i'm the person that says hi to people in the elevator and people are like why are you talking to me and i'm like because yeah. i'm from the midwest <laughs> yeah right like i just yeah and like the midwest nice i so i um left after i graduated from college and i was gone Same. for like 20 years right so i did i just recently came back to the midwest oh really um, where, where, where did you go um i was in um, so I graduated from Minnesota and then I went out to the West Coast. So I was in South Lake Tahoe for like six years. I lived in Oregon for a little while. Then I went really far west and I moved yeah. to Asia. So I was in Asia for like five years teaching English. Then I came back and I was in Alaska for a little bit. And then my son was born in Portland. And then we decided to come back because we had a kid and we were like family and, you know, all the stuff. Absolutely. So anyways, I, I just recently you know, came back and I still feel like that Midwest nice is so ingrained in me, it you know, is. and it just is like <laughs> very is. accentuated now that I've come back as well. Like I feel, you know, I feel myself saying things or like cringing at certain things that I'm like, that's so Midwest, you know, like, like anywhere else people would just be like, it's fine. Like just, you know, do the thing and like move on. Whereas I like have all these like emotional attachments and I'm just like, is everything okay? Like, are you all right? Like, just tell me like, you know, like, so I had a I had a call. Here's the, I guess we're establishing a drinking game as of last week where I, every time I talk about my day job and then say that I don't talk about my day job is like people, people should take a shot. Right. Hold on. Let me get my water. Yeah. Right. Your LaCroix. Um, my, I had a call for work today where I I met a bunch of, uh, you know, international people and I, I introduced them to the bless your heart kind of sentiment, the Midwestern, uh, bless your heart sentiment where it's nice. It's, it's mean, but in a nice way. Right. (laughs) And you just say it very like menacingly. Yeah. Yeah. So like all that passive aggressive. Yeah. Midwest stuff. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, yeah. Okay, okay, but let's talk about books because yeah. I see I see your book behind you. Well, not yeah. not just the one, but like Ode Ode to a Bad Day specifically because I just read that one and it's so good. And I saw how you um, uh, promoted it with the picture, like you reenacted the picture. That was so oh great. Gosh. Genius. Like bucket, bucket list item checked. I was like, <laughs> I had this dream of like somehow acting that out and I was just so happy that I, I pulled it off. Yeah. It was perfect. <laughs> I mean, the outfit and everything was just like spot on. Like, where did you find the outfit? Did you know ahead of time? Like, that's how the illustrator was going to no. dr- dress no. them? No. And then so you just were able to like pull it Definitely all together. Definitely not. So no, I, I am one of those authors that very much wants to stay out of the, the illustrator's way because that is the other half of the book that they're creating and I I get so excited to see what what they pull out from yeah. it and what they add on and, and all that. They're they're part of the story, you know? Um so Heywan just came up with this character and her outfit was just perfection and I literally pieced pieced it together from Amazon. I was like yellow cardigan sweater and like pink <laughs> tutu and I was just Googling it into Amazon and I was like you know, piecing it together, and then, um, and I, I had this idea, I'm, I'm a theater background, so, um, I had this idea to, like, you know, go out into some public space and literally act it out, and then, um, but then I was at the event, and I had my friend who's a photographer there, and I just literally on the spot asked her, I'm like, is there any way you could take three pictures of me doing these three poses and somehow do your magic, and she goes, I can, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening, <laughs> yeah. So so credit to um my friend Natalie who um or Natasha as she goes by but yeah so she because she seamlessly did the background too it was so crazy. Anyway, I miss that. Um I miss that. I love that. I mean, we talk a lot about you know, put your marketing effort towards whatever you are going to be entertained by or what you think is fun and that's a perfect example of that. What I did see, however, is your Terra song which is oh amazing. Oh, another she's LA buddy, right? She's yeah. she's actually LA, but she's Midwest too. So, so I think because she worked for Second City in Chicago. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So she and I um, just immediately had good chemistry, amazing chemistry. She is such an, an amazing talent. And I, like I said, I have a theater background. I, I do musical theater and I direct musical theater. So I love music. I just feel like books and theater and music and it's all it's all to, it's all connected and it's you know it, and like you said I chase the joy I love I don't I don't do any marketing that doesn't bring me joy it's just like whatever tickles me um and Tara creates these songs for books and so she did one for Walter which was beautiful and then I so she created this one for Odes and what's fun about that is that um one of my favorite ways to study craft is actually to study craft of many different types of creative work. So in that there's you know songwriters and musicians and I and I love seeing interviews and listening to them like and then stand up comedians and I love listening to how they come up with their craft. So with Tara, I get to go on a Zoom with her before she writes the song and we brainstorm I get to brainstorm like I'm like a like a <laughs> It's like I'm a wannabe, like a rock star wannabe, you know, but I'm like, hey, let's talk music. Like, yeah, I'll influence your creative process for yeah, sure. Right, like, yeah. So, but what's cool is that, like, I do listen to a lot of music, and so I, I said, to me, this has, like, a bluesy, there's, like, a bluesy with hope or a bluesy with optimism vibe with this book. 
Um, and so I sent her some songs from, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden, but uh, Precious Love is the song he sings. James Morrison. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Precious Love. And it's got that kind of like feel good, but a little bit of a blues vibe. So then she came up with this riff and, you know, I was like, let's, let's do some of that oh, oh, oh stuff. And anyway, she, she's magical. So yeah. And I love bringing that song to kids because then you can do movements with it and, you know, and I, and I, and I incorporated it into like our discussions with kids about like what helps you through a bad day, you know, and a lot of kids will say music and I'm like, funny you should say that. (laughs) I've got a song. (laughs) I'll click play. And we'll answer your <laughs> issue. And with, yeah, exactly. We talked to Sarah a lot about that process from her perspective as the musician who, yeah, I mean, she also writes, um, but as the musician who works with authors and how she develops that out. So how, how long before publication, like how long had you worked on that and collaborated on that? And did, did your thinking about how you would, would use the song evolve over, over time? Oh, I love that question. That's a great question. So ter- I usually make sure that I don't. I want to be respectful of Tara's time, so I try to get on her radar earlier. So I'll send her um, before the book, way before the book is published. So I can. I'll send her a PDF so she can read it and start thinking, and then we get on a quick Zoom. And I mean, I give her my thoughts, but honestly, I tr- I trust. She and I have a good you know, repertoire. So we just chit chat about music and um, thoughts and stuff. And then she takes that short conversation and she goes and does her thing. And it's insane how quickly she can put together a song like this. And, um, I don't know how long it took her. I should ask, uh, I'm, I don't want to miss, I, but it wasn't longer than maybe a, a month or two. It felt, it felt pretty like she had a quick time. Had it done the day after, and she was like, Look, <laughs> no, I don't want to seem too creepy and there. send this. <laughs> yeah, she worked it out, like, in the shower, like, over dinner or something, and I was I like, know, I've got amazing. it. It's like something, she she once told me, especially with Walter, like, she likes to talk to the author, or, or you know, we like to, she likes to chat because, you know, she'll hear something, and all of a sudden it'll open up this window for her where she's like, oh my gosh, I see it, or oh, I hear it, you know, and so, and, um. So it was it was quick, and then she sends it to me, and I, I almost never have anything else to say. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> right. Like, right. I have no notes. Like, oh, my gosh. And um, and what was really cool was that I sent it to my agent, Jen Raffae is my agent, ABLA. She's just incredible. And she's like, she would send me these texts, like, because she would have, play for her kids. She goes, she goes, tell, she's like, I might have to destroy this song because my kids are wanting to listen to it every single night. And she sends them like dancing in the kitchen, singing all the words. And I'm like, I'm not even sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I've been seeing um, a lot yeah. of that actually on, on Discord, on the um, PB Workshop Discord. People are just saying that all, like all the time about Tara's stuff. They're just like, my kids like can't get it out of their brains. Like they just want to just dance to your music it's incredible yeah it's amazing even my you know you know sassy snarky pre my she's 10 you know my daughter she was walking around the house like oh uh, uh, oh, <laughs> i'm like okay we're good um yeah but the second half of your question about how to use it is such a great one because with walter i wasn't sure how to use that song as well i mean i played it for them um but it was the first time of me using music with it was my first book too and 
With oats, though, it had such a, um, the O part. So Car- uh, uh, my friend Carrie, who's a, who's a teacher, um, she, she, I was like, can you think of any movement stuff to do with this? And she, and it was really simple. It was like a huge dub, but just like put your, you know, arms in an O and then just do this at the chorus. And so that's how I've been using this song. But again, like I was saying before, I also have a segue as far as how music can help you through bad day, you know, there's lots of tools, you know, so anyway. That's like the perfect pairing for, for what Tara does and, and for a book to be like, to just sort of make it applicable, especially about a bad day, right? Because there's, and I said this when we were talking to Tara too, but there's so much out there. There's so much, there's so many different ways for kids to learn or deal with things or cope with things. And music is one of them, right? And reading and seeing themselves in a book is another one. And so pairing those together, I feel like is just so powerful, right? And they can actually act it out and be in the book and part of the character and like, you know, working through that stuff. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, with the odes, I'm like, that's another thing you could do if you're having a bad day. Talk to the thing directly that is bothering you, you know. Oh, you, you know, big brother or whatever it is. Whatever's bugging you that day. A lot of sibling stuff is what I hear in, in uh, my school visits. A lot of sibling rivalry and stuff like that. But <clears throat> um, yeah, so writing poetry or writing odes or that's another tool. And um and, you know, one of the other things that makes this really fun is that I have Reader's Theater with this book because, again, I have this grander vision for all, you know, it's all connected. Like, I would love these books to somehow someday be on the stage um, and be performed. And so that's another cool thing about Tara's music is that, oh, I wonder how eventually, you know, it could be a, <laughs> it could literally be a musical. <laughs> Those are my grand grand ideas. <laughs> because, like uh, these, these are two entries in the in the future Wallace verse. Uh, yes. your, your grand, your grand literary sort of like connected universe. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I love that. That's a lovely way of saying it. Yeah. Does yeah. Does your does your I think you just said this, but I'll I'll ask it a different way. Does your theater background influence how you conceptualize books? It seems like probably yes. I, I love this because I was just talking to my editor, Taylor Norman, about this yesterday. Um, I, I, yes, the answer, the quick answer is yes, but I, it, at first it wasn't on a conscious level. So I think especially with, with odes, um, well, even Walter's got some drama. I love drama. Like, I just love, <laughs> like, being the, She's making some dramatic things. stage, stage-like gestures for the listening audience. <laughs> Interview. I'm very like performative. Um, we'll have to post this podcast with art notes. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) action notes, as the great Tara Lazar says. (laughs) Now Chelsea's doing. Chelsea (laughs) reaches for this for the skies. Yeah, I like that. That's poetic. Um, Yeah. So I think when when odes when I started writing odes, it's I hit this part. Like even my writing group was like, "Whoa, this is so." you like this is even more than Walter which which was softer and quieter and emotional and I have a you know um you know a big emotional heart um but the the odes felt very much in my pocket and um but what Heywan brought to it 
which I didn't, I didn't talk to her at all, but even the spotlights, that wasn't my idea. That was just so, it was so weird. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even think she knew I had a theater background. And then just the expressions on the girl's faces at her, like, extreme body, like the chore at the store where she's literally just like, (laughs) and like the, the Shakespearean, like, almost the, like, you know, this stuff. Oh, it's just so wonderful. And so why I bring up Taylor from yesterday is that I, I have a bunch of books coming out after this and they literally are very much huge dramatic kids, right? And I do see them on stage and um, the next one that's in, in November is actually one set because it's all in a nurse's school nurse's office with a big cast of kids coming in one after another and I'm like, this is, a, that's a show. Um, and so I added Drama Queen to my, my email signature so that's part of my... Nice. Because it's just like, I've got like five, And then I have a book coming out. It just got announced, so I can say that. In 2025 with Molly Idol, that is called We Are the Theater. And that, Josh, is actually a five-act play, essentially. I mean, I... In I picture actually, book form. In picture book form. When I was writing wow. it, I was like, act. I actually labeled it Act One. I mean, that won't be part of the book. I had to, you know, we were going to... We stripped that out. But as subheaders for me to think about how this was going to work. It was like act one, act two, act three, you know? Um, and again, it's one set with a huge cast, you know, and it's all in rhyme so that it's like line, 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 like that. So it's to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you the, the Wallace universe, the, the, the theater, the Wallace theater (laughs) coming to you at some point. (laughs) That's awesome. And I was going to say, how satisfying is it to write something and then not only have somebody get it on, you know, on the level of the book and the text, but then also you've written it in such a way and put yourself on the page in such a way that they extrapolate these things that you didn't even tell them, right? Like the spotlight and the drama and all the dramatics of this kid, right? Like you didn't even, but you, you really like put yourself on the page in a way that they just picked up on that and were like, I know what to do with this. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. that has to be so satisfying as a writer, oh, you know? It, it is. Thank you for saying that. It is, yeah. And yeah. and to think that you you didn't have a lot of say or you didn't insert yourself into the illustration process. I mean, this puts me back to, um, you know, when we talked to Monica Acker and her uh, her book, Brave Like Mom, we talked a lot about um, the, the fact that there was so much about sickness and cancer and things that was inserted into the visuals that were not part of the, the manuscript at all. So shout out to the illustrators for, you know, not just drawing pictures, but really like pulling out thematic elements and, and yeah. really emphasizing um, yeah, right. the big picture book. Yeah, oh, shout out gosh. your illustrators, everybody. Don't leave them out because, oh my Never. gosh, they just, oh you know, gosh. like it's They're so They're my partner. To, She's my partner. Right. Like, it's so, so you know, important to, to rep your illustrator, yeah. A, a thousand percent. I mean, uh, hey, Juan, uh, put the cricket. So the cricket was the opus for this book, honestly, um, meaning it was, there was a cricket in my kid's room and she was so overly dramatic about this cricket and where it was and I just found it so <laughs> freaking funny. I was like, I was like, I was trying not to laugh at her because, you know, she was right. very upset, but I'm like, right, like literally got my notebook down and I'm like, so... <laughs> Tell me more about this cricket. What was that word you said? Um, <laughs> and so, so it's so funny. So the cricket comes at the end of this. It was, it was the end of the manuscript, but Hewan put it in the very first spread. She shows the cricket in the window coming in. 
And I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, so, and like, oh my gosh, so she put it through. She has the cricket following this child throughout the whole book, which is such a cool Easter egg for kids. And so, you know, in my readings, I always go, if you see the cricket, you know, give me your little cricket fingers. Um, so honestly, I don't even know if they're listening to the story half the time because all I see them doing is this. Like, I was going to say, see, my you know? my kid loves that. Once we figure out that there's something that you're supposed to be watching or, like, paying yeah. attention to, he's just like, Mama, Mama, go back. Like, go. yeah, he's not, I, don't, I mean, he's, like, vaguely listening and, like, half, you know, like, sort of aware, but he's just like, hold on, and he'll put, like, a full arm in the page, and I'm like, dude, like, what is happening, right? And he's like, go back. So, yeah, yeah smart. Hey, it's time for our mid-ep pause for some reviews and shout-outs. First one this week is from John. Humphrey the Explorer by Nadia Ali is an excellent twist on the classic Humpty Dumpty tale. Humphrey the adventurous grandson of Humpty Dumpty yearns to be an explorer and wants to go where no egg has ventured before but worries about falling apart like his granddad did. And despite the loving skepticism from his egg companions, he embarks on a quest to toughen up so he can finally start his own adventures. The book is filled with exciting wordplay and charming illustrations from Valenti Gubianis that add Add to the humor and excitement and are sure to crack you up. Come on, John. <laughs> it's Humphrey's determination to follow his dreams, even in the face of adversity, makes this a heartwarming and inspiring read for kids and parents alike. If you haven't read this book yet, which I have not yet uh, read it, I need to catch it. Uh, make sure to scramble to get your own copy. All right, let's move beyond the puns to my review, and then we're going to go to Brennan's review plus shout out. Um, sometimes I do review for books I could swear I've reviewed before on the podcast because they've become kind of staples in our household. Vam Penguin, the uh, compellingly named Vam Penguin by Lucy Ruth Cummins, is a deadpan exploration of a vampire family's trip to the zoo. It's zany for the sake of being zany, and I love every bit of the premise. How do vampires make families? Why do they go to the zoo? What's up with the penguin vampire switcheroo? Who cares? It's funny and enjoyable. Uh, plus, it's got great examples of tension between what's on the page and the story told in the illustrations, which is something I personally aspire to do as well as Lucy does here. Uh, great fun read. Uh, I'm going to end with Brenna's this time uh, because we want to do uh, pair this with a shout out. Brenna's review for this week is for Donuts for Everybody. Uh, mixed, mashed, and collaged by your friend and ours, Gerald Connors. This sweet idea turned delectable donut deliciousness started on the social media platform previously known as Twitter and exploded in a celebration of frosting and sprinkles from there. Gerald took custom imaginative, inventive, and even ludicrous uh, Brenna herself ordered a You Can Pickle That Donut uh, orders, made them his own, and served them up for all to enjoy. If you missed out on the main event on Kickstarter, you can still get in on the pure joy of this book and order your very own copy today. Thus ends Brenna's formal review, and I just want to give my own personal shout out to Gerald for the inspiring work that he has done to, to get to a place where Donuts for Everybody is a real thing that exists in the world. You uh, should do yourself a favor and do Gerald the honor of catching Donuts for Everybody, which is just, um, it's a great conversation piece for your family if you have something, you know, if you want to talk about creativity with your kids or just something to keep for yourself. That's just, it's a, it's a nice thing to be able to flip through. Shout out plus to Gerald for streaming a lot of the donut making 
process over the past year. And he continues to do that uh, from time to time, just watching his process and uh, the the piece of him and the attention that he, he puts into each donut that he creates is really inspirational for me. Um, so great job, Gerald. Congratulations on Donuts for Everybody. And please catch it out. Uh, catch it out? C- grab it. Grab a copy. I don't know what euphemism I was going for there, but uh, grab a copy if you haven't seen it yet, uh, or a dozen, perhaps. Now back to Chelsea's verse. So where, okay, so I, one of the things I want to drill into is is m- maybe sort of adjacent to the drama, which is this notion of conflict resolution. Like, mm. so neither one of your books, and I don't, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't have experience with the rest of your books that are coming up, but neither one of your books has like a, like a, if you think about the story arc, like the back to normal um, mm. state. So you've got a character that's dealing with uh, like a central conflict that doesn't like they don't get what they want necessarily. Like the main character of Ode doesn't get a good day. It just sucks. Like that day, you just chalk it up as a failure and it sucks. And with Walter, it's like he's not going to get his people back. Um, you yeah, got to make like make peace with. Um, this thing that you want. And it's, I, I have a manuscript that I'm wrestling with or, or working on now with that same central pr- premise. It's like, no matter how much you want something, uh, you don't always get it, but there's, there's yeah. a, there's still a way forward. Is that, is that a conscious decision too? Oh, I love, I love that question. I, and I love just thinking, is it, or isn't it? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, <laughs> my mom's a psychologist. So you're, you're feeding me, you know, these little <laughs> meaty questions that I'm like, yeah. let's analyze my mm. brain. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Um, I, well, I almost want to answer that with, you know, I've, I've gone through some hard things uh, as we all have in my life. Right. And I went through a particularly dark, hard period of my life in my late twenties. And, you know, I didn't, I lost a lot of things in that period. I lost a lot of big things and important things that were, that meant a lot to me. And in fact, I did not get them back. Not any of them. However, Um, what the kind of person that I became coming out of all of that and the gifts that I, you know, worked for moving forward were actually better and more meaningful and more aligned with who I am anyway. So I think that's always like, like those stories of my life are always reverberating in me and they're in my soul and they're in my, um, you know, my emotions. And so I do feel that for any writer whether it's like a conscious or not, it, it bleeds through, you know, because you, you write what you know. That doesn't necessarily mean you write a story that actually happened. It's just that you write the emotions that you have gone through, right? Or you write the experience right. that you've gone through, whether it's, you know, literal or not. Um, and so, <clears throat> you know, I think probably Walter is a very, very much aligned with probably a lot of what I went through, right? Um, losing something that was very dear to me and then... Yeah, you don't reclaim that, but what you know, if you open your heart again, if you if you allow yourself to open up again to see what's possible, um, then you never know what new gifts might come your way. And <clears throat> you know, I think with odes, what I tell, I, I used to be a teacher, and um, and I do teach musical theater now. And with kiddos, you know, it's it's really I. First and foremost, I, I always just want to make sure that we honor all of those ugly moments and feelings just as is, as opposed to be like, you're fine, or, or yeah, or like, or here's an ice cream, make it all better, or whatever it is, or let me go buy you a new one. Um, 
first just like sit, sit in those like uncomfortable feelings for a minute, you know? Um, and then beyond that, it's like, we can't always fix problems, fix people's problems or fix room, but we can certainly figure out tools, right? Oh, what tool would be helpful or what tool can I gain from this experience that will help me in the future? And so I think for her, um, you know, yes, beyond the drama and the funny, the comedy of all of that, it, you know, she's, she does go to bed with this realization that today, today was just the, literally just beat her down, but she's not destroyed. And again, that goes back to what I went through. I mean, I felt like I, ugh, it was like the bottom of the bottom, but I, I wasn't down for the count. I, you know, I was able to get back up again. And so, and she's imagining this day where everything goes her way and, you know, um, and that's enough to get her to go to get to sleep, right? So, um, yeah. So I guess I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Spoken like the child of a psychologist. <laughs> it's a good way of thinking. About it. My, my Shout out to Chelsea's mom. mom. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I also love, like, be, beyond, you know, writing your emotions and doing all of that hard work and sort of, like sitting in it for a little while I love you know in a sort of a structural way in terms of the actual writing that it's not it's not the three tries and a and a success or you know like trying to get through things or like wrapping it up in a nice bow like it's really important to have those stories out there because that's I mean those are real it's fine to have the happy ending or you know the three tries and the fail and like Mm -hmm. you know those stories are extremely successful they totally are but it's it's also so important to just have the ones that have this sort of ambiguous ending or or they don't get what they want because I mean especially as kids I mean oftentimes you just don't get what you want and that's a really hard lesson so it's you know it's nice to see a kid in a book also not getting what they want and it's like, but but she's gonna be okay like it's right. gonna be all right you know like it, it's okay <laughs> right exactly and to 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 laugh too eventually I mean you know to laugh at these moments or to look back at them and say you know okay well that was terrible but here I am another day let's see what happens you know um you know when you were talking about writing structure it's so funny because when I first started you know you get the Ann Whitford Paul book you you learn (laughs) the formula of story writing and, and and believe me most of my beginning stories are like the formulaic you know, try, try, fail, try again, and win, and whatever it it's was, a, you know? It's a great place to start, you know, right? For anyone who's listening, like, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's actually not, and I have other stories that, you know, well, no, I actually I don't think I do have any other stories that do that, but, um, but, you know, I wrote plenty of with that, and I think it's really, I think it's important to just try and learn and practice all types of different structures, um, and, it's, you know, there's a cliche, it's like, you know, you learn the rules to break them, essentially. And I, I think all that really means is just study the study the craft. Study the craft in all of its parts. Like, you know, this structure, that structure, try, like, I wrote one story. I did an exercise with this story when I was very new. And I said, I'm going to write this story in, like, ten different structures. Like, I did one that was oh all dialogue. <laughs> I did one that was in awesome. rhyme. I did then that was a three, like a more narrative arc, three-part structure. I did one that was um, uh, lyrical, and then I did one that was funny. I did, it was like so interesting, and I was just trying all these different kind of ways to write that story. Yeah. 
And I never, that story never did anything, never went anywhere. But that's not the point, right? No work is wasted. Like, I just think it's important yeah. to just, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I've, I've been through that too, not as a conscious exercise, just one that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know, you know, like this manuscript is bothering me and let me try it. Yeah, let me try it another way. Like, I think this is the way to write it, right? So, like, <laughs> I, know which, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, We've all yeah. Been there. I had like, like 45 drafts of this thing. Right. Yeah. 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 With different, you know, emphasis on different characters and things. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. I love the phrase. It's worth saying again. No, no work. No work is wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, this notion of, you know, even if you have a manuscript that doesn't go anywhere, um, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's doesn't it's matter. all uh, it's all part of the journey. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, for for sure. And And you never know how like one dead manuscript, so to speak, or one story that just never, never got there. It, it could turn up later in a totally different way, like years later, even. And you're like, wait a minute, like, or I mean, it's, for instance, with with Walter, I had a story called Backup Bunny that was all about this need to be loved, this backup lovey that wanted to be loved. So the essence of it was just, it was a wanting to be loved story. Well, I didn't think, I didn't make the connection of Walter to that until I was doing interviews and realizing that Walter just wants to be loved too. So it's so weird, again, not conscious, but the work I had done on that bunny story probably laid a nice foundation for me to figure out how to execute that emotional beat in the in a, in a better story, right? So, yeah, yeah. work is wasted. Yeah. Totally. I mean, so on that note, Chelsea, what what was your writing journey like? Like, how long how long had you been writing before, you know, the things, for, for lack of a better term, even though this is horrible, but, like, how long until you found, you know, some kind of, like, success or you, like, you know, moved forward or you got an agent or whatever it was? Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I hope this answer doesn't make people upset, but... Um... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Everybody sit down. Chelsea got an agent immediately. Somebody saw her rough draft and they were like, we want that. <laughs> they saw a um, post-it note. They're like, "You're signed." Um, <laughs> I sneezed, and I got a you know. Yeah, right. They were like, "This is yeah. this is brilliant." That was, you know, such a dramatic sneeze. We know you can write picture books. <laughs> and yet, you write mean? books about pictures who uh, are people who don't get what they want. Yeah, the irony is palpable here. Yeah, it's just you know, it's so poetic, all of it. Um, well, I'll give this a little context that I, I when I was little and young all I did was creative writing that was my thing and um but you know life zigzags and I did this and that and I got into marketing and digital marketing and things like that and then I left the digital marketing world right at that that point I was telling you about where you know my life had taken a little pivot and so I left this career I built and so I had didn't have that anymore and then I I went back and became a teacher which was such a 180 um, and I knew I was really close to what I was supposed to be doing, but I, back to the organizational skills from the beginning of our conversation, I lacked so many of them that you need to be a very effective teacher. I was really good with kids, though. So I, I found myself teaching them creative writing and poetry, and I didn't think much of that. I just knew that I was really happy, and I was good at that. And so then all of a sudden, <clears throat> I, I started writing again myself, poems and things like that and I always started I started out as a poet when I was a kid and then yeah I had an idea for um 
a story, but I didn't, I didn't, I, I was like, oh, picture books. Like, I didn't realize that that could be a job. <laughs> like, it just, like, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh. Oh, and yeah. And so I started, but I'm like, I went whole hog into it. Like, I, once I had the story idea, I went to and got every book you could get on picture book craft and publishing. And I just was like, joined SCBWI. And I was like, okay, let me just go all 100% into this. And um, so I'd say about a year like a year from that moment where I was like, I'm going to take this very seriously. Um, I worked on stories, not just one, but many for a year. I got a critique group and I was like polishing and, and I was querying a little bit um, and getting rejections. And then I went to a conference and <clears throat> it's about a year, about a year after I, I started, I met Jen at a conference and she saw Walter and she, um, she loved it, and then she, and then you, you know, you get those words like, "Yeah, can you revise this and send me two more?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, okay, right. You're like, "Yes, I can." <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I puke. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, Bleh. Um, <laughs> So then I, um, and I was still in the conference. It was like the second day of the conference. It was a the summer SCBWI LA one, and um. Yeah, so then I did, I had two other manuscripts, though, that I had polished and, and sent them to her, and um, and then she signed me, and then we sold Walter, and then we ended up selling many more after that. Yeah, so we've had a good, we have a, Jen is a great partner for me. She and I work really well together. I'm very grateful for her. <laughs> you make a sound, you, you summarize the part where you sell a bunch of books uh, in a very straightforward and linear way. <laughs> Right, yeah, like, so just, you know, do the thing, get the agent, sell all the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no big, um, you know. I'm going to Chelsea yeah. Lynn Wallace it. Oh, yeah. gosh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. No, but you, no, no, no. We don't um, get any mail, don't worry, Chelsea. Yeah, right, no, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> um, like, black out my face and change my voice. Um, I, well, I mean, on the one hand, it's very hard to receive a lot of good news. Actually, it's hard to celebrate stuff sometimes in this business mm. because um, there's always, I don't know, there, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, I have a hard time receiving positive, like, positive news and good news, and I, I'm like, no, next, let's just get on to the next thing. So I've been trying harder to just say, no, this is really great, and I've sold a lot of books, and I'm really proud of them, and I've had a good... I've had a good career so far, and I'm really grateful. And I, I mean, gratitude is something I practice daily. So I'm very much grateful to like. I can't, but this is not a like. It, I have a really solid critique group. They're amazing. I, my agents are incredible. I have good relationships with these incredible editors, and mm -hmm. I've been lucky to partner with these insanely talented illustrators. So you know, it's been it's been lovely. And I, I just. I I want to piece together the no work is wasted um, point into this here as well. I mean, there's a version of your story where you you could easily say, well, I started and then a year later I got an agent uh, and it sounds straightforward that way. But, you know, the roots that are helping that plant grow are, uh, you know, digital marketing, like understanding what's going to be received by your audience and, uh, and how, you know, how they're going to potentially react to and engage with it. And also, you know, teaching, understanding your core audience, who's going to buy the book and what are they going to think? Um, it gives you, uh, or I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth or your experience or whatever, but it gives you, uh, like a sensitivity to, or an eye or an ear to what you're writing that is, is kind of a leg up 
Um, even if, even if it was like a, you know, a year or so from, you know, learning the craft to execution and, and agent and sale. Yeah. Many and sales. I really appreciate that, Josh. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. so true. I really appreciate it. That's why that year answer kind of makes me like, cause it's really not, it's been a lifetime, right? And for totally. anybody, it's really been a lifetime because you, I think one of the things that helps too, is that again, back to my mom and how she was with us and the kind of person I am who I, I, I do a lot of like self-reflection work and um, being able to um, tap into your vulnerability and your those really uncomfortable things you feel or gone through and just being able to dive into those without with like a rawness can help so much with... Um, I write, well, because I write a ton. I, when I say we sold books, but I've written so much. So here's another thing I will share. I've written so much that I thought was amazing and got into my agent and she's like, nope. And I've had to deal with that. Like it's, it's horrible. And then I've written things that I thought were amazing and I've gotten to my agent and she thinks they're amazing and she gets it out there and nope, they, they don't sell. And I think, you know, getting really comfortable with uncomfortable feelings can help as far as like bouncing back from those moments and then continuing to write again. I mean, I get this is all threading back to the conversation we had about characters who don't get what they want, but they're able to move onward. You know, this business is a, a lot of rejection. It's a lot of critiquing and it's a lot of rejection. And, you know, if you get stuck on a story that you, it's like your bread and butter and it gets rejected and then you're not able to like move past that story, you might be, you know, missing out on all these other parts of yourself that are dying to come out. And, um, and so I always tell, I I always, when I'm trying to help new writers, I go, just, it's not yet. Just, if that helps you just say not yet so that you can set this moment aside or this, this, this story aside and, Go back to observing the world again. Go back to being curious again. Go back to receiving, you know, what you're meant to receive next. And I think that's really important for, you know, expanding yourself in this creative creative business, you know? The work that we do in writing picture books is so deeply personal. I mean, to the, to the points that you're trying to make with your books around dealing with big emotions, but the step that you have to take for your own sanity and ability to move through the process is not take it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not, it's not personal on anybody's part of the people that we think of as gatekeepers through the process. Mm. Um, yeah. They're not, uh, it's not a personal slight. It's just a, you know, a fitness, a fitness question. Yeah, totally. And I was going to add to that, just kind of circling back and saying it, it is really hard to sort of like sit with good news because the the publishing world has sort of if if you have gotten those no's and you're like, OK, I'm going to keep writing. Right. I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. You get that good news, but you're like, OK, that's great. I need to keep going, though, because other you know, you feel this like urgency because it's like, all right, well, this one happened. But like, what if another one never happens? And you're like, right. I'm just going to write, 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 write and like get stuff out. Right. And like have have it like coming back in because it's like which is bizarre considering how slow publishing is that we're all sort of like in this constant frenzy and like Hustle just mode, to yeah. like right, But just to like sort of wait around. But it it also just one other thought on on that but like 
as someone with an ADHD brain that requires and like craves that sort of like adrenaline boost in my brain, right? Writing, writing a new draft does that. Sending it out to my critique partners does that. Entering a contest does that. Subbing to like magazines, right? Like all that stuff. So if I can keep going, it like, it also helps my mood and my brain and just like my overall like chemistry. So unfortunately I have created this like vicious cycle for myself. So hopefully Mm -hmm. the production of it all, you know, eventually (laughs) pays off in the long run. But yeah, it's Uh, cyclical. Bryna, I could not relate to you more, especially, I mean, especially (laughs) in the first, you know, year or two, two, two years. I mean, my critique group will totally verify this. They joke about me. Like as soon as our critique meeting would, would end, they joke that I, that I was like, Willy Wonka, like, good day, because I've got to get back to work. Like, I very much, and I said good day. Like, so, and I was submitting to every contest, because I think contests are exhilarating. Like, I love that adrenaline rush. I'm like, I know, I'm still, I'm still like that. Like, I'm like, ooh, something to enter. Um, I know, I love a good contest. I I do too. And I was submitting to magazines. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, if you feel like, just be very, you seem like a, you're good at being mindful or self-aware, right? So if you're feeling like it's derailing you, then yeah, stop. But if you feel like it's not, then don't. Cause it depends. Like in the most, there's some moments where it feels really juicy for me to kind of have that momentum going in that adrenaline yeah. rush. And then there's other times where it doesn't feel like it's productive for me in that at that moment. So you just have to sort of sit, but there's no wrong answer. Like I always I always describe this this business as a web, right? So there is no the, your trajectory doesn't go like like this. It's right. not like that. It's more like it's more it's more like this. Like it kind of just it'll go this way or it'll go that way or that way. Even if you're you're you have a down spiral, there's something in that that's good for you like there's something in that that's gonna help you so that's why because this business is not like an accountant's job where you just keep moving up the ladder Mm -hmm. in this like very linear fashion it's a web so just again no work is wasted like no process that you have in that moment is is wrong like if you're one minute you're just doing this kind of stuff and all your stories are kind of whatever but you're writing a ton that's part of your web like there's something juicy in there for you, right? And if you have a time like right now, recently, I had a time where I wasn't writing at all because I was directing the musical theater, and I got a little nervous. I was like, "Have I forgotten how to write?" Like, but I <laughs> yeah. said to myself, "No, this is this part of the web. Like, it's not writing, but it's creative, and it's connected. And there's something in this, like, if there was something in that experience for me that I know, I know in my heart is." aligned with my creative soul and like this business and everything else. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So just, just trust. trust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that is something I've been trying to really lean into a lot more recently. Just trusting that I know what's right, what, what I can do, what I can take on something that makes me excited. Cause sometimes working on a big novel or like a big slog through revisions you just, you get tired, you need a break. And I'm like, ooh, a contest, a magazine, a, like something else, right? And so in that way, like you're saying, it really feeds me and like helps to like flex those muscles and try something else. And like, and, and my brain, you know, appreciates that. But um, 
Yeah, and as far as derailing, I guess I mean, like, I try to set myself these, like, arbitrary deadlines in terms of, like, this is what I need to be focusing on this week, right? But then, like, sometimes I just need a break that I didn't yeah. I didn't really prepare for or, like, know that I needed. Yeah. And that's when I'm just like, oh, I know, I'll submit to, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, I'll totally put this novel away and, like, you know, work on something that's, like, whatever, like, not that. So, <laughs> but, yeah. you know... But Brenda, but that's sort of your, like, there's some, there's some authors who really like to be very singular focused, like they have one story at a time, they like to go in a cabin in the woods and spend hours in quiet, and that's beautiful too, that's you Josh. Yeah, Yeah. that's so Josh, yeah. So, so I'm more like the post-it, weird post-it lady who in, in the pockets of my day, I'm like, I have a creative moment, I jot it down, I stuff it in my purse, and then I'm on to this and that, and then I have another creative moment, and like, I have to listen to music when I write, it's weird, like, there's no wrong answer, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. And I think I'm getting, uh, sorry, Josh, I just, I'm just saying one last thing. I'm coming to terms with that as a writer, because that's how I am in my, in my life. Like, that's how I am as a person. And so I never, I was never meant to like do one singular linear thing. Like, this is our personal sprint board at our house. And mine is just like, project after project after yeah. project. And then over yeah. here is like three others that I'm like, you know, For trying to work on. Audience, and then my folder is filled with drafts. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Multi- multicolor post-its all over the so, place, but all organized in a line. Yeah. <laughs> so it was never, I mean, I was never going right to be that kind of writer. There's no... Yeah. <laughs> some crumpled in my pocket. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a mess over here. Yeah. I mean, to, to offer by contrast, there was a, there was a period in my, my writing life where I, it's just, it feels, it feels creatively energizing to respond to a prompt or respond to a challenge that comes in the form mm. of like a like an open magazine submission window or a contest or something but there's also a part of me that feels two things about opportunities like those one um it's a distraction from whatever my singular focus should be like i should be worrying at the knot of this manuscript that has mm. you know uh the main character who doesn't get what they want at the end like i i, I need to figure out a way to unlock that mm. I wish I, you know, I contradict myself um, constantly where I worry at that knot until I, f- I can't solve it. And then I put it on the shelf and, and grab another knot and worry on that. But that I think that's maybe part and parcel of the singular focus theory. There's another part of this, which maybe we can, you know, dial your mom in to explore why, why I feel this way. <laughs> yes, let's have another <laughs> another episode with Chelsea and phone her a, mom. Phone a friend. <laughs> Tell me there, more about that. A, <laughs> yeah, there's a part of con- of of contests and and open things that now I'm beginning to feel like you know if 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 we're in a world where Brenna and I are kind of public with the podcast and we talk about our writing journeys, there's a part mm-hmm. of that where that's that's like. Part of me doesn't want to be seen as submitting to a contest and getting nowhere with it. Like, oh, oh, person X who's in charge of this contest um, saw my stuff and they didn't think it was good enough. Somehow that's going to reflect poorly on me as a podcaster and poorly on Mm. my network of people who I'm, you know, getting to know as part of this process. I'm not arguing in favor of that, but that's probably something that's shared by a lot of folks that... You know, it is, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a personal blow and it's, it's exposing to, uh, try mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally true. Because the other side of the ADHD coin is that like plunge into like depression, right? When you get the, when you yeah. get the no or the pass from the magazine or you don't <clears throat> go anywhere in the contest and you don't 
right? But then for me, I I need that hit again. So I'm like, well, okay, I'm <laughs> bummed for like a hit. day or two. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, another contest? I mean, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> right? You're chasing so, like, the dragon. I don't know, I have of, a problem. Uh, I just... Yeah. <laughs> I can't quit it. But I, I also... Right? Dope, I just like dopamine hits, yeah, yes, or whatever, right? Yeah. Yes. But yeah. I just feel like I don't know, like I have I have stuff to say and I am a writer and I am doing it and if they don't like it, I mean that's okay. Like there's I don't know, there's just so much rejection in this industry. There it's is. like I'm gonna get a lot of it. And I I mentioned this in our last episode about um bookends and I saw a TikTok that they had done, a critique partner sent it to me. But their whole philosophy is go for no, right? So like go like send stuff out there just expecting you're gonna get a no because you're gonna try for it right like go for the no because when the yes comes it's just like oh uh, okay like yeah like I've been going for these no's and like putting myself out there and doing the thing and like being a writer and now I've got a yes yeah yeah okay so here's my I have an opinion on that a little bit and (laughs) I would love to hear it tell me um I it always it always Look, this is this is just so this is just me. I there's something about going for the no that doesn't oh didn't necessarily doesn't always really sit right with me, and neither does going for the yes. I just almost feel like it's like if you can surrender the 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 result, right, or surrender the mm. surrender it. Like don't say no or yes, just surrender the result. Then then you're able to stay in the now of the like the process of what you're doing and i and i'm a big sports i'm a so i coach volleyball my daughter's volleyball i grew up doing a lot of sports i was like that weird hybrid of a jock and a thespian you know um (laughs) but i do think about sports and i'm I'm trying to remember it might have been kobe Bryant, and i'm gonna not quote it directly but he said something about that he didn't go into a game thinking i'm gonna win or i'm gonna lose he just went into the game play by play like staying mm-hmm. in that moment, play by play, because otherwise he's not in the game. He's thinking about, oh, what's going to happen at the end of this, right? So <clears throat> I don't know if there's a cool little quote you can give yourself. That's, I mean, surrender is a big word for me. Surrender is a powerful. It sounds like you're. It sounds like such a weak word, right? But I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do, where you just give it, <laughs> give it to the universe. Like, yeah, you say, here you go. And then get on to your next thing. Whether your next thing is your kid, or your next thing is a new story you've been thinking about, or whatever. But um, you know, I don't know. I just no, I I like that a lot because it. I think I think that's part of the trouble I have sometimes with writing. Like I live too much in the future of it, or trying to like control too much of what happens after. And it's not it's not about that. Like the writing. The writing is fun or and enjoyable and satisfying and like all that stuff because that's what I like to do. That's what that's what I meant to do is to be a writer and so that's why I write. And so beyond that is not necessarily what it w- what is part of it. Like it needs to just be what what it is. And then like you're saying, yeah, like put it out and just sort of sur- surrender it. Like you're saying, because whether or not it's a yes or a no is not is not really in my control. It's it's not not only not in your control, but what's really crazy is that even if you get the yes and you're so let's you have books out, it doesn't end there. Like maybe it doesn't even do well. Maybe it's not well received by critics. Like mm. there's just it's a there's a constant like you know conversation happening with a creative job that is 
you know, our part and then a part that we have absolutely no control of. I mean, we can, we're in control of our part, what we do, but the rest of it is the, is the whole other half of this business. And it's, um, so it can be really like, you know, to me a little constraining if you're feeling like, well, I'm going into this expecting, you know, or ex- expecting, expectations are expectations, right? Mm. There's still these things that, you know, can get you, can get me, I'll say, I'll speak for myself, that can get me in trouble. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to contrast what we're talking about in terms of expectations with, um, with skill and experience and refining your approach. Because, um, mm. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know from sports. I just got done watching Ted Lasso, and that's about the extent of my ability to think about sports. <laughs> it's, this is going to come out way later, so we can talk about spoilers, I guess. But anyway, um, there's a, a like Kobe, Kobe Bryant can, can, or Ted Lasso or whoever can, um, you know, surrender themselves to the process. But that does not, that does not preclude their... Um, intentionality in skills development. That's Correct. what got them to the place where they can surrender themselves to the process. Mm-hmm. And so right, right. what I, what I want to contrast is, okay, you, you, you've got Jen, you've got books in the world, you've got mm-hmm. sales. What does that do to your skill set and your ability to refine yourself and your approach to being like on the court and uh, going play by play or manuscript by manuscript. Are you sure? Are you sure at this point that you're going to shoot the shot and get the points? Than you were. That's a version of yes. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot yeah. of baskets that you have to make mm. in the in the process. Uh-huh. Really trying with the sports analogy. <laughs> I I, I'm feeling it. So and I played basketball actually. That was my sport. Um, nice. I love that question, and it's such a where I'm at question. And it's, and it's great because I feel really green in the new place that I'm at, which is that, uh, so you asked if it's changed how I write. Yes. Yes, it definitely has. In fact, um, you know, when we talked about how I was writing in the beginning and, and I might go back to that kind of writing at some other point too, like your, your career does all these weird things, um, I was writing so much very freely and almost haphazardly because I had nothing to lose and everything to learn, right? Um, and now with relationships with editors, right? I've got a, a, a very good relationship with um, Taylor and I've got a good relationship with Courtney at Ibrams and and um, so <clears throat> and over at Chronicle as well. So I do think a little more. I have a more refined approach. Yeah, I'm thinking more strategically and more intentionally I'm having conversations with editors where it's a little bit more of like oh what do we what do we think or um so it has changed the shape of how I write it I don't want to lose but it's so interesting because I don't want to lose the play that I had in the very very beginning which felt so wild and sort of like um without any barriers or you know without any intentions almost uh, or very, the only intention was to just write something that someone was like, cool. <laughs> like, um, right, it's very freeing. So, so yeah, so it's, it's to answer, it's like, I don't even know if I, I even know quite yet what it, it, it's, I'm in, I've just entered this very new space of writing in this way where it's a little bit more connected to my relationships with my editors and stuff like that. And like looking at what I've written and everyone's like, Oh, you figured out your brand. And I'm like, Oh, 
I don't know if I want a brand though. Do I like I? Mm-hmm. So, but these are all just questions I'm asking myself a lot, and it's and I'm right in like the title, like the you know the that part of the wave where you're like, like that's where I feel like I'm at, and it's fun and it's exciting and it's new, and I'm not sure how it'll all unfold for me necessarily. Or um, I will say that you're one of the pressures is how can I keep writing as well as I've written? Like, or how can I keep writing something new and even, like, how can I write so that I'm growing with each book? And that's a tricky expectation to put on myself because I need to think, take my own advice and go back to the web that not every book has to top the the last one necessarily because what does that even mean? Yeah. But um, yeah, Carter, and I, Carter Higgins is an, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> Carter Higgins is an amazing author. I'm sure you guys know her, but she is in my mm-hmm. critique group, mm-hmm. and she's an amazing um, mentor and a friend. But she, you know, her her career trajectory is longer, and she's seen more, and so she always is so helpful as a person, as another creator to talk to because she's she also likes to think about the art and oh, like what do I want to do to expand myself as an artist as opposed to like, mm-hmm. what do I want to write so that it'll sell again? Right. And so I appreciate that place that she's tr- really trying to like hook into, although it is hard when there is a business to this and you see the sales and you, it's like all that other stuff gets in your head. And so it's, <clears throat> um, who's my, my name recall is horrible. Who's the tw- twilight guy? Uh, oh, Edward, Edward, um, um, well, he's no, the actor, Tim Edward, Robert, Robert Pattinson, you mean? Robert Pattinson. Right. Yes, yes, the love Dreamy. of my life. Yes, I'm like, um, <laughs> oh, just Robert? <laughs> I'm so well, then, right. Big so R? I don't know. These Whatever are, you want to call him. Uh, t- I, I'm, like I'm really nailing the here. analogies here. <laughs> Uh, just nailing the analogies. Yeah, so I, there's a giraffe on the wall behind you here, and I like to imagine Ro- now Robert Pattinson's head on the top of the giraffe. <laughs> I would like one of those posters, wherever it came from, custom oh done. Could gosh. I please have a giraffe? Yeah, our poster. illustrator friends, uh, put the call out. No, um, okay, so here's the analogy. Um, <laughs> if I can remember it. I remember Bring it back around, Josh. I'm counting on you. Yeah, I I remember him at one point saying or reading or, you know, whatever, observing. um, And this is kind of a dig at the the movies that he makes. Like he he will decide to do a Twilight or the Batman or whatever so that he can fund his ability to do like the crazier, artsier stuff. And that's that's the the ultimate challenge, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And that's the challenge. And there's a version of this. um, I think we talked about with Laurel Snyder a couple months ago. Um, it's like, you know, shoot, shoot your shot with the weird stuff, but then also, you know, have, have some more commercial stuff in your back pocket. Um, it's a, it's a balance that you figure out over time. And Josh, I so appreciate you bringing in that analogy because I'm constantly, um, doing the same as far as bringing in an actor's career. And I, I'm like, I'm always encouraging everyone watch their careers because you can learn a lot about any, any creative person's career, right? It's not, again, it's not a straight shot like this. It's like all over the map. And 
Um, and I love watching why they make, like, hearing how they make their choices and why they make their choices and how they reflect on movies that didn't do well or did do well or their experience. It's just, it's fascinating to me. And it, and it brings me so much calm, honestly, because it makes you realize that, you know, this business is, it's messy and it's, yeah. and you know, it all comes, usually comes down to, um, well, ch- I mean, back to almost chasing that joy, like Josh was talking about with marketing, like, you know, it's at least, at least in moments you must have joy in doing what you're doing. Like, I think it's really important to always tap into that. I always like to think about Joaquin Phoenix a lot. His He's just fascinating to me. And he hates doing the interviews and the promo stuff. And you can, he doesn't really keep that a secret. It's so comfortable watching him in interviews because he's miserable because he just wants to do the pure art. But this is another part of his job, right? So there's that balance of, you know, doing the art and then, you know, figuring out how to do the business as well. Like yeah. participating in the, yeah. Yeah, in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, too, I mean, figuring out why you like it and writing for the enjoyment of it is really what's going to keep you going. And I was saying just recently to my critique group, like, I will write anyways because I love it, but I also want to get paid. And I don't think those have to be, you know, either or. I think that it should be both because, you know, we, we put in a lot of work and effort into the things that we create and it should be recognized and respected and, you know, all of the stuff. But... At the end of the day, I'm not writing stuff that I'm like, oh, I think this is going to sell. I'm, I'm going to write to the market. I'm going to write something specifically for this editor it, because it's not fun. I don't enjoy that. Yeah. I don't care about what somebody wants specifically. I have to care about what I want from the book and why mm-hmm. I find enjoyment. And it was like three days ago. I, um, so I was telling you, right, I, I love to submit to like magazines and contests and like all the stuff. So I got a lot of rejections, a lot of passes, a lot of critiques all in like one day. And I just was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm like, all right, well, I got to revise this thing and that thing. And it wasn't fun. I'm like, I don't even right. care about this submission. Like it was fun right. to write. And then I have to just leave it at that. They didn't like it, yeah. but I had fun writing it. I'm not going to now revise it and then try to put, I, like, I don't, I don't care that much about it. It was just like, a, right. you know, like a one-off, whatever. I thought it was well-written. It was good to go whatever they didn't like it okay like i need to move on and then do what i think is is enjoyable otherwise you yeah get, you get bogged down by all that stuff like it's not yeah it's not worth it yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah just just a little like personal analogy i guess to end <laughs> to end that whole that whole no show. and I, pre- <laughs> and I i appreciate that too but again it comes down to that quite you asked yourself a question is this worth i mean do i really care and and one one day your answer will be yes. You're like actually I I do. There's something in this thing that I feel is alive and and whatever. And I am gonna revise it. And I am gonna keep going with it. Another story. I have totally. I've had like I said I've got a stack. I love when kids ask me in school visits how many stories have you written. I'm like how many have I written or how many became <laughs> books because right. I've written like thousands. And I have a DOA folder of stories that I've written that I didn't even show my critique group. You know. And it was fun, but that's about it. It's that's where my that journey ended right there, and I knew it. Yeah. And then other things that I like would slog away, revise and revise. I just keep trying, and you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are plenty of stories that I do really, really care about that I will revise, but you know, the contests and the, what, you know, the magazine submissions, like a lot of that are just like one-off things. I'm like, oh, this is funny. I think like McSweeney's might like this or whatever. And then they're just like, ah, I don't know, like not our thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, that was all I got. Like I'm going to move on. Like I don't, whatever. Check that box. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's it, yeah, yeah, it satisfied anyway. your it's it's goal, it's job. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is maybe a good segue, Chelsea, to uh asking the question of whether you whether you found something for Dead Manuscript Society. Did you open up the old so, DOA folder? <laughs> I did. I did. And I was like, oh my god and you know what's hilarious too? I was like, you know what? Some of the stuff isn't that bad. Maybe I will send it to yeah. the I'm like, don't I'm like, no, no. So there's one, there was one story and I thought, oh my God, I, I said, well, I could do this one if I want to completely destroy my career and embarrass myself. And, and I said, that's, that sounds exciting. Um, so, so, so this was one that my agent did see and her feedback was hilarious to me because what she said was no. And she's like, this, she goes, this is with me. What'd she say? This would this would be too much work for the parents to read. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I knew that we'd probably mention Tara Song and musical theater and stuff. So it was a musical I wrote as a picture. <laughs> so so the, the requirement was the parents or teachers would need to sing it, which I thought was hilarious because <laughs> I'm like, that sounds like so much fun. And she's like, no. She's like, <laughs> no, the use case is too narrow. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man. Oh, all right. And so I'm like looking through all these stories and some of them are like too quiet or too done before or whatever. And this mm. one was my musical about a girl who is singing or she sells songs. <laughs> like a Awesome. Will, will you be singing it as... As said I mean, in like the, said, if I want to destroy <laughs> the career I built for myself, I could absolutely sing this book right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it would only feed into the career that you've built yourself, right? That's like right. the dramatics yeah, and you the know, Brenna, theater and the. It's part of the web, Chelsea. <laughs> it's part of the web. Yeah, this Speaking, might be one of those down spiral webs. You. You. Yeah. Yeah, you could. I mean. Hopefully my voice. Okay, I will happily sing this one for you guys. Okay, so oh I'm going to bring it up. Awesome. I can't see myself. <clears throat> okay, first. this is called Song for Sale, a musical. Okay. I sing, I sing, oh what a perfect thing. Louise was a one-of-a-kind singing sensation. I'm so very glad today singing is the way I play. So imagine the notes she floated when she found out the singing contest is coming to our town. But a whopping problem stood in her way. A hundred dollars to enter. No problem for Louise. She came up with a one-of-a-kind idea. I will sing my songs for money. She set up her song stand outside right next to a quiet boy selling lemonade. Lemonade is so last year, she scoffed. A clear of her throat and she began. I sing, I sing, oh what a perfect thing. Combine my song, it won't take long and what a joy they bring. Customers flocked toward her falsetto until another voice rang out. A song, a song, I sing them all day long, and with this hymn a perfect win, you really can't go wrong. It was Mary Lou Jenkins from across the street. She'd set up a competing song stand. Louise's voice twanged. Hey, Mary Lou, what did you do? Why did you interrupt? 
Mary Lou reverberated, Oh, sweet Louise, now if you please, why don't you just give up? Louise shrieked to a high C. I don't even know if this is a C. <clears throat> no, I will not. This is my shot to make a little dough. Mary Lou punched back with vibrato. I feel the same. This is my game, so I refuse to go. Louise bellowed her baritone tone. Grr. It was time for a musical war. Louise pulled out her operatic, please go, please go. But Mary Lou raised her rock and roll scream, never. Louise <laughs> yodeled yodel her yodel. Yodeling, 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 please go. But Mary Lou busted her 90s pop runs. No, oh, 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 oh. Finally, Louise decided the best thing to do was to sing really, really loudly. I sing, but Mary Lou answered back, a song, I sing, a song, until they were screamed singing at each other, I sing, a song. Their notes became nothing but noise. They were out of breath, out of tune, and out of customers. Louise slumped down on the curb and sang out the blues. Oh, woe is me, how could it be? My dream has gone away. Mary Lou slumped next to her. I know you're sad. I too feel bad. Let's find another way. But our customers went skedaddle, moped Louise, from our ridiculous singing battle, Mary Lou said. They both let out a sigh in perfect harmony. What if we did a duet? After two big swigs of the quiet boy's lemonade, they began. We sing this song together all day long. We love the sound of voices bound to friendship growing strong. Their harmony caught the attention of new customers, and they were able to earn the money for the contest where they entered as a two-of-a-kind singing sensation. <laughs> oh my gosh! I want to add like all the clapping and the... I am so impressed. That was amazing. Also, damn it, Mary Lou. Mary <laughs> <laughs> Jenkins. That name does make me laugh, though. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Chelsea. And what and it's so tone perfect with what we were talking about in terms of you know, know. using your creativity to be uh be commercial and make money. Well, what a perfect segue. I know, Josh, and like here's here's proof for anyone who could bear to listen to that. That I still I love that I wrote that, but that was so long that was years ago that I wrote that before I knew I'd have I'd want Tara to be writing songs for the books before I started directing musical theater at my school, before I started doing reader's theater for these books. So, like, it was living inside me, and that's how it came out, but, like, it wasn't wasted. So, like, that, all those little elements of what I just read, you know, even though that couldn't really be a picture book, it still was meant to be, because I think it probably was planting seeds that are starting to now sprout in other books, right? So, anyway. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah, to, yeah. To all of that. And what a, yeah, right. And what a perfect, I mean, that's like a perfect button for the whole conversation. Like, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Like, no way, no work is wasted. It's all yeah. been just culminating to where you are now. And more work going forward will culminate to a new spot. And it just, I mean, I, and just to take a minute, thank you so much for sharing that and being part of the Dead Manuscript Society. It was amazing. <laughs> I loved every single part of that. It was awesome. New, thank you, Brenna. I appreciate mark. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. And Chelsea, just, I mean, I, I know we're like way over the hour here. I just wanted to say thank you, thank you so much for coming on our show. Like, you know, we're sort of just starting out with this podcast. I mean, 
not just starting out, but you know, for someone to say yes and not really even know who we are, I just, I always appreciate that. And I just thank you so much for your time and your generosity. And just, it was, it's been so delightful just chatting with you. Oh my gosh, Ben and Josh, I wish I could hang out with you guys like every day. I love you both. <laughs> this was so much fun. You make, you make it so easy and you're both so lovely and easy to talk to. And I've had the best time today with you guys. So I'm so happy that we met. And I'm sure this won't be the last time. And yeah. Oh my gosh. I would love to hang out in person. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have to come back to the, back to the Midwest, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. We'll have a little, a little powwow. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop the recording. Oh gosh. Karaoke. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for listening this week. Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Twitter. Thanks again, and we'll see you next verse. Bye.